Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Amen. We are going through the Gospels. That's what we've been doing this summer. We have about two more weeks. Next week is going to be interesting. It's going to be, we've never done this before, but we're going to have four people and we're going to give them nine minutes each to share. So some of them have never shared before. And what we're going to do, we're going to put a timer on the screen. They're going to have four minutes, I mean, four people, nine minutes each. And when that thing goes up, it's going to be like the TV show where the cane comes out and pulls them off. But they're going to share. We're going to talk about the miracles of Jesus. So each one is going to cover a different miracle. So I'm excited for them to do that. But we are in the Gospels. And we're going to be talking today um, about them a little bit, finishing it up, and then we will have a hangout afterwards. If you want to stay for that, it's completely free. I believe Hudson's Barbecue, and then there's probably going to be cookies and drinks and chips. And what we'll do is we'll take a few minutes and tear down these chairs and bring out some tables. So probably about five or ten minutes after um, everything is over, we'll be ready to eat. And then there's basketball over there. Kids can play, or they can go out on the playground if, if an adult wants to go out there. But the Gospels... Gospel, the word means, it's an announcement of a king's victory, the promise of peace or deliverance. It's a word that comes from back in the day when there was no TV or newspapers or cell phones or text message alerts, where if your king went out to fight and he won, a herald would come back and announce to all the villages, go village to village, city to city, and say, the king won which was a big deal because if your king didn't win, you were probably going to be a slave. You were probably, your women were going to be taken, the men might be killed, your land, your food. It was done because if your king did not win the victory, then it was over for you. But if your king did win the victory, then you had peace. You were safe. You could could live another day. Your family was was secure. Your crops were secure. Your, Your wife wasn't going to be kidnapped and taken off to another land. I mean, it was It was good news. And that's why the word gospel means good news, because Jesus has won the victory. The other way the word gospel is used is the historical record of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to go into just a, a topic that comes up a lot in the gospels. It's the name of Jesus. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to know it's the name of Jesus. We just sang that song, and, and I didn't know um, Ask them to sing that song. They just picked that. So way to listen to the Holy Spirit. Good job on that, guys. But we're talking about the name of Jesus, and, and it's, it's not the name Jesus. It's the name of Jesus, because the name Jesus is not really special. There were lots of people around that time named Jesus. In fact, there's people today that have the name Jesus. I was an educator, and so as, as a teacher or a principal, I'd have to read long lists of names. And every time I came to that name, I'd probably say Jesus right? Because yeah, that's probably who he is. He's probably some Latino guy that's named Jesus. And, and it's a common name. There is no power in the name Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus, in the name of the one who God identified as, as his son, as the king of kings. Like, it is his name. And he was given a very common name. In fact, he lived a very common life. He didn't come as, as many kings would come. He came very humbly, and as God, as, as he humbled himself, God exalted him. It says he even humbled himself even to the point of death, the death on the cross. God exalted him and gave him the name above every name, which is, which is Jesus. And so I want to go in and I want to talk about this a little bit. And, 
And I want you to leave encouraged. Now, in the book of, if you didn't get one of these when you came in, you should have got a sermon outline. All right, if you didn't get one, raise your hand and David or somebody will come by and make sure you get one. It has the scriptures and you can take notes or, or whatever you want to do with that. But, but on our outline, the first verse is in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 16, verses um, 13 through 18. And this is a very common scripture. You may have heard it before. But it says, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Son of Man, that's one of the titles that Jesus um, references himself and people call Jesus the Son of Man. That's important because it points to his humanity. It points to the fact that Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man, which means he can identify with you. He knows what you're going through because he lived the life very similar to life you're living. He, know what, he knew what it was. In fact, he didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. He knows what it is to have a mother. He knows what it is to have brothers and sisters. He knew what it was to work for a living. Jesus was an artisan. He was a carpenter. He worked probably with wood and stone, which means just like people that work today, there were probably people that hired Jesus to do a job and didn't pay him. <laughs> right? There were probably people that said they were going to pay him one amount and didn't pay the full amount. Like, he knows what our lives are like. Like, he's lived life. He's the son of man, fully human. He can identify you. He's not sitting up there on the throne telling you anything he, doesn't ha- he hasn't already experienced himself. But he asks him a question. He says, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, other Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, whenever Jesus asks a question... He already knows the answer. And he's getting them to realize that that people have different ideas about who Jesus is. One of the worst things, and I think we do it in our culture a lot, is is we have an idea of Jesus that's, that's not the real Jesus. We have this thought about who Jesus is that is not really who he is. And there's people that know that they talk about Jesus in one way, but that's not the Jesus of Scripture. That's not the Jesus who walked this earth. That's not the Jesus who died on the cross. That's not the Jesus who bled for your sins. We, we, we follow a Jesus of our own creation. Many people do. So there were plenty of people that misidentified who Jesus was. But then in 15, he brings it down to a point. He says, but who do you say that I am? That's the question we all have to be prepared to answer today. Who, who do you say that he is? Simon Peter. Peter, he was always the first guy to jump up and give an answer. He says, you're the Christ. That word Christ means Messiah, the chosen one, the the king who was to come that would bring deliverance, which which is why we say gospel, the announcements of a king's victory, the son of the living God. See, a lot of times Jesus is referred to as the son of man, and other times he's referred to as the son of God, pointing to his divinity, is he's not just a man. He's also God. So that means he's also able because the things that we couldn't do on our own, he's able to do. See, what I love about Christianity, true Christianity as I understand it, is is most other religions, and, and I've not always been a Christian. Most other religions as I've studied them and I've read them, it's all these things that men or women were supposed to do in order to reach God. 
And I'm not trying to put them down. It's just as I read them, you, you pray a certain way, you wear certain clothes, you, you eat a certain thing or you don't eat a certain thing or you wear something or you don't wear something or you pray in this direction or in that direction and you say these words or you don't say these words. And if you do all this stuff right and if you can somehow not mess up and not sin and still do all this other stuff, then somehow if you get it all right, you can reach God. But Christianity, as I understand it, is is God decided he wanted to reach man. Is that he came down from heaven and he said, I want you. He was the shepherd looking for his lost sheep. He was the woman looking for her lost coin. Going in something that was valuable to him, he went and he found. It would be stupid for the shepherd to wait for the sheep. For the shepherd to yell to the sheep and say, sheep, if you just did this, you could find your way home. It would be stupid for the woman to yell to her coin, coin, if you just did this, then you would be found. Because the coin cannot find itself. The sheep is not smart enough to save himself. And we need a Savior. And he's the Son of God. So Peter says, you're the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Peter, Jesus wanted Peter to know this. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That's what bar means, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some people interpret that meaning that that God's going to build his church on Peter. I believe that Jesus was talked about as the rock of ages. In Daniel, he was prophesied as the stone that was not cut with hands that would come down out of heaven and destroy all the kingdoms of the world, and establish a new kingdom in righteousness. In the Gospels, he's talked about as the stone which the builders rejected, but is actually the cornerstone, which if you know what a cornerstone is, it was the first stone that was placed, and all the other stones are lined up with that stone so that the house is built in the place it should be built, in the direction it should be built. I believe Jesus was saying, you're Peter, but on this rock, this knowledge that I am the Christ that I am the son of the living God, I will build my church. And you notice the first thing he called him Simon. But then he refers to him later on in Peter. When you know who Jesus is, when you have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, there's a change that happens inside of you. You become different. Jesus spoke about it as being born again. You need to be born again. You need that change. You need that revelation. You can't be born again of the flesh. Even Nicodemus, when he heard about being born again, he said, what, do you want me to crawl back inside my mom? I mean, what what are you talking about? Like, that's gross. That's not going to happen. And Jesus says, no, you have to be born not just of the flesh, but of the spirit. And when the spirit gives you this revelation of Jesus the Christ, son of God, the son of the living God, you're transformed. So I want to go through and I want to read a few scriptures and talk about the name of Jesus. And these are all out of the Gospels. And then after we're done, hopefully you'll be encouraged. And then you can go and maybe not eat too much. You know, eat just enough. So the first scripture I want to go to is in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. This is at the end of the Gospel of John. John is finishing up his Gospel. And in verse 30, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, there is life in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name gives life. It will give you life. See, the thing is, is, is when I was a drug addict and a lust addict and a liar, anybody else really like to lie? Like, I was really good at it. I would tell people all kinds of different stories, and I would lie to this person and lie to that person, and I could keep all my lies straight, and if they didn't get straight, I'd confuse them again, and they wouldn't know I was lying. By the time I was done, they thought I was telling the truth. I was just a liar. Some of you are liars, too. Don't look at me like that. You tell all kinds of stories that aren't true. And drug addict, and, and lust addict, and, and just this person that I was dead. I was dead. It was that, that shimmering, shining thing that you go and you reach for, but it doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring life. But do you know there's life in the name of Jesus? There's life in the name of Jesus. He can transform you. He can make you feel good about yourself. He can, you, he can take something from you that you thought would bring you joy. But every time you reached for it, it was just like smoke, and you grabbed onto it, and it disappeared, and you were left empty. And he can give you something that lasts, something you wouldn't expect. And there is power in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. Next verse I want to go to, and this is, I think is awesome. It says in Matthew 18, verse 20, it says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. See, there's life in the name of Jesus. But there's also Jesus, the fact that Jesus' name brings his presence. Now, I want to try to explain this. See, see, we we saw that scripture where Simon was Simon. He believed in Jesus. He understood the power of his name. He knew where he was, and he was transformed, signified he got a new name, Peter. When you believe in Jesus, you get transformed. You are created anew. See, but when something is created, it's made to function or it's designed to work in the right environment. It it was shark week recently. My boys like sharks. Sharks eat stuff. They destroy stuff. They're a powerful thing. We were watching, and there were these guys swimming, and they were getting close to them, trying to, like, put a GoPro camera on the fin to see where it went. It's insane. Well, you look at that fish. It's so big, and it's so nimble, and it can destroy, and, like, it has the teeth. You know, when I was little in South Florida is where I grew up, you could go and you could get the shark tooth necklaces because those sharks, their teeth are designed so that if they bite into something and they break off, another one just comes right there. It's like perfectly designed killing machine. It is perfect. Like it can swim, it can eat, it can destroy. But if you take that shark out of its environment that it was created to be in and you put it in the desert, you don't have to be afraid. The shark's going to die. I'd fight a shark in the desert all day long. (laughs) You take a lion. You put a lion on the prairie, you put a lion in the jungle, it's scary. You throw him in the water, not as scary. You take a Christian, and you put him in a place where he's gathered in the name of Jesus. And that's a force to be reckoned with. You take a Christian, and you separate him from the body of Christ. And you leave him out in the world in an environment he was not created or she was not created to be in. It's no good. So you were created to be in a specific environment. And and gathering with your brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus 
It is essential. You'll never be able to be what God has created you to be by yourself. And I say this as an introvert. I say this as somebody who, like I watch, we watch Lock Up. I've said it before, but I like watching Lock Up. I like watching people in prison. We found a new show called 60 Days In. I don't know if you ever heard about it. But they take regular perf people and they put them in jail. And they watch what happens. It's cool because it's just a regular guy, a regular girl in jail, and they're trying not to get jumped and trying not to like, get in trouble. And I enjoy that. But when I think about prison, I don't know, I'm weird. But when I think about prison, I see that solitary confinement. I would love that. I'd be like, that'd be so good. You get meals, you're alone, nobody bothers you. If I get locked up, I'm going to act crazy. I'm going to be in solitary, whatever I have to do, because I think I feel safer there, and it would be quiet. But just because that's how I am naturally, that's not who I am in Christ. And Christ has designed every Christian to be in relationship with other Christians. And not just to gather around, not just to hang out and do stuff, but, but there's something about gathering in his name that, that brings God's power, that brings the presence of Jesus there. And when you learn that one thing, that's why we do small groups, Ken Hall has been telling me about, he said, I finally get why small groups are so important. And I've been hearing nothing but good things about his small group. Because they take time to gather in his name. That's why Sunday morning is important. Take time to gather in his name. Because that is what you were designed. That's, that's the environment you were designed to flourish in. The next scripture is in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Mm. Belief in Jesus' name makes us children of God. See, right in my pocket, you don't realize this right now, I have, I have at least one cell phone right now. I got cell phones for work, but I got at least one cell phone. And what my kids can do, I have five children, and what my kids can do that none of you can do is they can walk up to me and they can slip their hands down my back pocket or in my front pocket and sneak the phone out because they want to play games on my phone. None of y'all are allowed to do that. If you walked up to me and did that, we would have problems. Words, I would forgive you, but then you'd have to forgive me. It would be mutual forgiveness and accountability. But see, kids have a different, a different ability to access to their parents. Last night, my son said, Daddy, I have a sore throat. Can I sleep in your room? I realize he's not always going to want to sleep in daddy's room. So I said, get your blanket, get your pillow. You can sleep out here. And then my other son said, what about me? I was like, you too. Come on, sleep right here. You don't have a sore throat, but, but they're not always going to want to do that. But they're my kids, and they have access. You, if you're not feeling good, you cannot sleep in my room. It's just not, I'll, I'll bring you chicken soup. I'll pray for you. But I'm pro- you're probably not curling up on the bed. In the morning, my wife, my, our baby, our five-month-old cries, and my wife is so tenderly grabs her out. And my wife, you know, she's exhausted, and she pulls the baby into the bed and lies her between us, and she's just laughing and smiling. And that's not happening with any of you. You're not curling up with us in the morning. You don't come into our room. But children have access that not nobody else does. You have access to your heavenly Father. When you're sick, you can curl up in his room. When you're, when you're lonely, you can say, Daddy, can I come in? And you know what? There, there's something about being a daddy when your kids say that, that. Now, we don't want them in there every night. 
But there's sometimes it's just special. It's just, it's just meaningful. Yeah, come over here, buddy. My son last night, he, he came up on, I was on the recliner, and my back is still kind of jacked up, and he was going to bed, and he, you know, he gave me all these kisses. He was just like, I love you, Daddy, and he kissed me all over my face, and he's like, I love you. Never do that to me. But he has that. And you can have that closeness with the Father as your children. In John chapter 16, verses 23 through 24, it says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, do we believe that? Until now you've asked nothing in my name. But ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. When we planted this church, um, we put a lot of promotions out on Facebook. Some of you guys might have seen them. We put things in the mail. We let people know we were here. We did a lot of promotion because we wanted, you know, people to get saved. And we put this out, and, and one of the things that we put out, it might have been for a hangout. It was early on when we started. I don't remember what the promotion was, but there was a troll. Do you guys know what a troll is? A troll is somebody who goes on the internet and says hateful, nasty, terrible things. Some of you might be trolls. I just told you. I explained what you might be. Because there's some people that will say things on the internet that they'll never say in real life. And he came out of one of our advertisements, one of our things, it was a post or something, and he said some really horrible, nasty things about Jesus and about, about church. And so I said, all right, Dream Team, let's start praying. And so I messaged him. You know, and that's a little scary because you don't know who's out there. There are crazy people out there. He could find out who I am and maybe show up, and I don't know. Little, there's weird people out there, amen? But I said, hey, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I, I want you to know that the, not every Christian is like that, and I'm sorry you've been hurt in the past by churches. But oh, he just responded with the most hateful, nasty garbage right back to me. Oh, yeah, I, completely, I understand why you feel that way, but, but if I could just, man, let me buy you lunch one day just so I could show you that not all Christians are the same. And he responded with the most hateful, nasty stuff. And we've kept praying. We went back and forth, so much so that last year we, we, we planned um, to meet up at some Mexican restaurant. I was going to buy him lunch and just show him the love of Jesus. I went there. He stood me up. It was like a blind date. And I was like, oh, darn. <laughs> he never came. So I was like, all right, whatever. Didn't hear anything from him. About a month ago, he messaged the church's page, and he's like, hey, I was talking to this guy named Chris about a year ago. Is he around? I said, yeah, I'm here. Last Tuesday, I just met with him and prayed with him to start a fresh walk with Jesus. Because anything you ask the Lord for, when you're, when you're doing it in his name, we were just praying, God, touch him. Make yourself real. Let your love be there. Friday night, he messaged me. He's like, yeah, I want you to know I'm praying for your back. I was like, cool. He'll be here one Sunday. He works on Sundays. But do you know the power you have in prayer? Do you know how easy most of us would have just responded with something snarky and nasty or not even prayed? Or not even brought it to the Lord, just been like, eh, whatever. He's a jerk. But we brought it, and we said, no, Lord, let's see what you could do. Let's see what you could do, Jesus. 
See, I don't think, it's never if he can. It's if we will. Because he can, he can touch people, he can save, he can move. And it was just a really cool story. And I just, I challenge you to pray. Prayers are, in Jesus' name, are answered. See, Jesus' name is not witchcraft. It's not the name Jesus. It's not just because you said Jesus that God's going to answer your prayer. But there's something about if you have new life in his name and if you gathered in his name and if you're functioning in the right environment, that when you pray, you're going to be praying for things that God really wants to do. God really wants people to be saved. That guy was hurt in church. God wanted that hurt healed. That guy had walked away from Jesus. Do you know how hurt you have to be to see an ad and respond? I don't even look at ads. I don't even see ads. How many of you see ads? You hit a YouTube video? You can skip this video in five seconds. I'm zoned in on that corner. I don't hear anything else. I'm just like, boom, got it. Not a second more. Not a second more. I don't see ads. But for you to see an ad and respond, there's something that God is doing inside of that person. And when you learn how to pray and when you learn how to love people, you can move heaven and earth. Your prayers will be answered when, when you start to function in the environment you were created to be in. John chapter 14, verses 25 through 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big thing right there. The Holy Spirit sent in Jesus' name. The Spirit comes in Jesus' name. When you gather in Jesus' name and you begin to believe in Jesus' name and receive the life that is in Jesus' name, the Spirit of God comes in Jesus' name, and he's your helper. That's pretty amazing. Like that the Spirit of God would help you? Do you take that for granted? Like that's the Spirit of God, the creator of heaven and earth, like the one who made it all, that he would come, that God would send his Spirit to be with you and help you in whatever little tiny thing that you're dealing with. Because to God, everything is little and everything is tiny. But he loves you enough that he'd come and he'd be with you and he'd help you. And it says, bring to your remembrance. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded about who Jesus is and what he's done. And I'll tell you, when I was messaging that guy, I love me some sarcasm. I love me some hateful comments. I'm really good at that. Some of you are too. You're smiling. You are. It's like, you know what I could say? You ever, you ever have that ability? You're like, I could say one thing and cut you at the knees. Those of you that have been around me long enough, you know that that's true. When I'm quiet, there's a reason. But every, every time that he would say something just hateful and uh, oh, Chris would rise up, the Holy Spirit would be like, just love him. All right, hey. Bum, 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 bum. He say something else? It was like I was feeling God's presence at those moments, even responding to a stupid Facebook message. And that's what we need. We need God's presence with us. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, it says, and, they, and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Do you know that there is forgiveness in Jesus' name? 
Like, you need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. Like, we can't even count up. There's a, maybe, I don't know, 65, 70 people in this room right now. If we were to count up how many sins we have done today, today, and it's like not even 1130. Like, there's a lot in this room. And it's church day. And you probably tried to do good today. Like, you've really been working on keeping it together because you knew you were going to church, and there's still been sin today. And there'll be sin tomorrow. But there's forgiveness every day in Jesus' name. And if you're going to last as a Christian, you got to know forgiveness. you got to know how quick he is to forgive. And that when he says there's forgiveness, he says, I'll remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. That's the most beautiful picture, east from the west. How he knew that east and west would never meet. But north and south was a little bit different. I don't know. Maybe he made it. But he said, as far as the east is from the west, there's forgiveness in Jesus' name. And some of you guys need to know there's forgiveness. We'll be finishing up in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says the 72, these were 72 people Jesus sent out on a mission. And they returned with joy. And you would have been doing the same thing. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know if you cast out a demon, that'd be exciting. The enemy bows to Jesus' name. There is an enemy. There's an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of my soul. There is one that hates you. And he hates you because God loves you. And he cannot mess with God. He can't hurt God, but he could mess with you. So it's the same thing. He will mess with you. But in Jesus' name, you can have authority. Like, you can have authority. Not the pastor, the believer. That when the enemy comes against you, you could say, in Jesus' name, I'm not putting up with this. In Jesus' name, there will be peace in my home. In Jesus' name, there will be health and healing in my house. In Jesus' name, I, 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 will, not, I will not accept this. Not because you're anything, but isn't he your daddy? Can't you crawl into bed with him when you're sick? Can't you go to him when you're hurting? So when the enemy shows up, just be like, in Jesus' name. Not a magic, not a magic like incantation or, you know, hocus pocus. But it's in the name of Jesus because of the one that I serve. And the enemy will bow. Matthew chapter 28 says, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name gives us purpose. And when you think about eternity, you're just a blip. When you think about all the money you're going to make, it's not that much. Mark Zuckerberg lost more money in, like, Tuesday than you'll ever make in your whole life, right? Than all of us will ever make. Money is not going to do it. Position is not going to do it. Serving Jesus being a part of his mission to save this world, making disciples, that is the only thing that will really excite you and give you fire and give you joy is, is being a part of what God is doing. If you are not a part of that mission, you're missing out. And I, and I promise you, it's not as hard as you think it is. It's really easy because he's the one who does it, but it's really fun. It was awesome to sit there, and as I sat across from that guy, and I prayed with him to, to start a fresh walk with Jesus. And we talked about Jesus. And I was like, you know, I think you're one of the reasons that, that we were sent here to South Carolina. And then I was like, remember the first thing you said to me? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was like, God is cool, isn't he? That stuff is fun. 
It's cool to see God work. It's cool to be a part of his plan. And if you're not walking in your purpose, we'd love to see you do that. If it's not here at Lakeside, at any church, somewhere you go, you have to get involved. You have to be a part of what God is doing or you're missing out. The last verse, Matthew 19. It said, and anyone, everyone, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will will inherit eternal life. See, Jesus' name, it calls us to a higher life. And when you look at that scripture about all the things that people left, I want to ask you, Have you left anything? Have you been called away from anything? Because if you haven't, if you've left nothing, I wonder which Jesus you're serving. If you've never been called to say, well, I could have this, Jesus is calling me to that. I'm not saying for everybody to go and sell your house and walk, become homeless and live under the bridge and just see what Jesus does. That's not what I'm saying. But if you were right there, they list a lot of things. Put that verse on the screen. It talked about lands and homes and family, brothers and sisters. What, what can you list? Because sometimes to get where Jesus wants us to go, we have to let go of where we're at. And I'm not saying that to put a burden on you or to make it super religious, but, but when he calls you to something great, you have to let go of something that's not great. You can only go where he's, where he's calling you, and sometimes you're just like, I got to go. I got to do this. When we moved here and, and they offered me two jobs, one job made a lot of money, one job didn't. But the job that made a lot of money, they said, here's the contract. They put it in my hands. And they said, here, you can have this. It's like six figures, nice. Six figures are better than five figures, in case you didn't know that. Seven are better than six, but six is good. And they said, here it is. But don't start a church. I was like, crap. Why'd you say that? Where did that come from? I went through every possible scenario. What if my wife started a church? And I just went. And I just spoke on Sundays. Like, it wasn't really, it's her church. Or Jonathan started the church and played drums, and I spoke. That's not wrong. But no, God said, you need to go to Lexington. You need to move to South Carolina because I want you to start a church. So I said, crap. Guess I gotta leave that. What, what, what did you leave? What is he calling you to leave? What can you have that's not necessarily wrong? Land isn't wrong. Brothers and sisters are not wrong. Family, mother, children are not wrong. But what can you have that is not a sin, but, but God's calling you to invest your time somewhere else? Because you'll never see the fullness of what God wants to do until you start to learn how to follow his voice.
want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I, I don't want to put any unnecessary guilt or burden or shame on anybody in here. My only desire, my prayer, as I, as I got ready for this Sunday, was that you would leave here encouraged. I've been praying that there would be people that would make first-time decisions for Christ. I've been praying that there would be people that would, that would rededicate themselves afresh, that, that they would find Jesus' name worthy enough that they would just want to go all in. That they just want to put all their chips behind that name and, and live life a different way. I've been praying that there would be people that ju just wanted to see Jesus move in their life like never before and, and recommitted afresh. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Him. But you do. And it's no secret to Him. If you feel like God perhaps is calling you to a rededication or to a, to a first-time dedication to where you want to get some things right, there's no shame here. Would you just put your hand up if you feel God calling you? Amen. Don't be afraid. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>